Ladies, MBs, and gentlemen, you are listening to Composer Chats, a weekly gaming show where we talk about headlines and some games that we've been playing. I don't know why I did that. You are listening to the voice of Jake Composer Jacobson, and today is not Wednesday. It's Friday, January 29th, 2021. I didn't necessarily mean for this podcast to become a Friday podcast. I kind of want it to be a Wednesday podcast. It's just kind of how my schedule has worked out recently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> we're back. Uh, and before we talk about what we've been playing, let's take a look at some headlines. <laughs> playing it real fast and loose today. Do you know there's snow on the ground? It snowed here in, in historic Bloomington, Indiana, and it's still on the ground in our backyard. It hasn't melted. It has not melted in the sun yet. All right, uh, we're gonna start out with a, 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 a rumor that got kind of popular at the beginning of the week. Uh, a okay, I'm not a hundred percent sure who published this first, uh, but basically there was a rumor that got really popular at the end of last week at the beginning of this week that they are producing a new Knights of the Old Republic game. It is, quote, in the works. Uh, and the b- kind of big news out of this rumor is that it is not being developed by EA or BioWare. Uh, which, like, you know, what what is a KOTOR game that BioWare is not involved with? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I'm not. I don't know that whether or not BioWare is on the writing team for the Old Republic, which is the MMO. Uh, I, guess, I guess I could look. Star Wars, the old Republic. This is going to be a good podcast, you guys. You guys are going to love this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, it is developed by Bioware. Yeah. So, like, that, it'll be weird having Bioware unattached. But also, like, okay. So, so the reason this rumor got sparked again is because a known Star Wars insider who goes by Bespin Bulletin went on a podcast where he said, where they said that, that they, quote, talked to a couple of people, end quote, who, who let him know that, one, this KOTOR game's being, well, that this KOTOR game's being developed, basically, um, which isn't technically new news at all, to be honest. Because Bestman Bulletin also references a previous statement by Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, uh, who was talking about this, I'm pretty sure, at the end of last year. Uh, and the, the quote that we will, and the, 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 the grab quote, which is that quote, we will never guess who is developing it, end quote, is actually from Jason Schreier. So it's, that's not even a new bit of info. But I mean, like, you know. There's more credible rumors that there is, in fact, a KOTOR game being developed right now. And, uh, uh, you know, I like Knights of the Old Republic. I played through Knights of the Old Republic 1 very recently on stream, and I don't think that it it, it is good. It was a fun game, but it, di- it doesn't hold up to me just because, like, Bioware hadn't figured out how to do decision-making yet. <laughs> like, how to make the moral gray. Like, they didn't know what that meant. They didn't, that didn't exist in those old bioware games um i'm playing through kotor 2 kind of slowly on stream right now uh but i but that's the one i have played and i remember really enjoying that one so it's gonna be weird having uh on one hand it's gonna be strange not having bioware involved in that game at all because 
like I associate the Knights of the Old Republic games so much with Bioware's like particular brand of storytelling. But then also on the other hand, based on what Bioware has been bringing to the table recent with with their recent stuff, uh, I'm also not super surprised. Uh, this also kind of lines up with the the Lucasfilm Games initiative, where they are letting. It seems that they're letting their exclusivity thing with EA lapse next year. Uh, so this is probably part of that as well. So this news actually happened uh, while I was recording. The day I recorded the last podcast, because uh, it came out last Friday. Um, but I was recording the podcast, and I just didn't, I just didn't see it, basically. Uh, so last Friday morning, Microsoft made an announcement that the rates for Xbox for its Xbox Live service would be doubling. Um, you know, as it stands uh, right now, or previously, I suppose, um, X- one year of Xbox Live costs fifty nine ninety nine, so it's twelve months. Uh, basically, what happens is that the all of the price points uh, dropped to the lower month. Um, amount. So like the new, so like now it would be fifty nine ninety nine for six months of Xbox Live, um, which would and and they were no longer selling Xbox Live subscriptions by by twelve months, uh, which is announcement, which was an announcement that they had made around when the Series X and S came out last year. Um, but that effectively meant that if you wanted to buy 12 months of Xbox Live, it was going to cost you $120. Uh, and that's a lot. Um, a lot of people speculated, I'm sure correctly, that this was kind of a move to push people towards the Game Pass model, uh, especially because there is a version of the Xbox Game Pass you can buy that just comes with Xbox Live Gold. Um, but... And and that is a great deal. I think the the Xbox uh, Game Pass is a great deal for the money, but there are people that don't want to do that, and there are people that just want to play online. Uh, so I understand the backlash for this. There's a ton of pushback. People blew this up all day, uh, so much so that at 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Microsoft walked it back. So here's the update at 8:52 p.m. Pacific time. Oh, Pacific time. Sorry. So it was. So it's actually 11 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> uh, it says, quote, We messed up today and you were right to let us know. Connecting and playing with friends is a vital part of gaming and we failed to meet the expectation of players who count on it every day. As a result, we've decided not to change Xbox Live Gold pricing. We're turning this moment into an opportunity to bring Xbox Live more in line with how we see the player at the center of their experience. And now this floored me. This floored me. When I learned this, because I had no idea that it was like this, but the next line in this update is for free to play games, you will no longer need an Xbox Live Gold membership to play those games on Xbox. That's crazy. And that might be the real news out of this is that before, and again, I literally never knew this because it is not in line with the PlayStation or the Switch. If you wanted to play a free to play game on Xbox, which like Fortnite, probably the big one. You had to pay monthly for Xbox Live Gold. And like I said, that does not that is not how it works on any other console. That was that was Xbox exclusive, which is why I didn't even consider that that was a thing that they still had to do. 
Like when I was playing Warzone initially, my computer couldn't run the game. So I was playing with my friends on PlayStation 4, but I did not want to rebuy PlayStation Plus, but I didn't have to. You could just play that game because it's a free download. So it's wild that like Xbox was like, I feel like Xbox throughout the lifetime of the Xbox One, Microsoft has made a lot of really smart, really good decisions. Uh, not necessarily out of necessity, but some of it was necessary because of all the ill will that they built up right before the launch of the Xbox One. Um, and it's crazy that one of the things that they still didn't do was let you play free-to-play games without paying $60 for a year of Xbox Live. Like, that's so crazy. Giant Bomb's Jeff Gersman made this point on Twitter. Uh, basically, that like as as Xbox becomes more and more synonymous with Windows PCs, it makes less and less sense to be charging for Xbox Live at all, especially because if I have Game Pass, I can play those online games for free. I don't have to pay. Uh, I did it very recently with uh, Sea of Thieves. Like I can just boot up Sea of Thieves and play with people without having Xbox Live. So it makes lit it makes less and less sense to charge to play multiplayer, especially the more that specifically Xbox moves to merge with Windows on PC. Um, so it makes even less sense to then make you pay twice as much for that. There's an Animal Crossing event coming up soon. It's in February, and it's... Well, okay, so it's I wrote down Animal Ca Crossing Carnival, but it's really not. Uh, it's called Festival. I'm assuming it's pronounced the same and not Festivale. <laughs> Festivale, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. Well, we won't see because they'll never say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, we got two Animal Crossing announcements. Before we talk about Festival, there's also a Sanrio crossover event that's finally coming to America. It's coming to English. Apparently, these cards have existed in Japan for a while. But basically, it is a set of the Amiibo cards, which, uh, if you're not familiar, the Animal Crossing 3DS games... I think specifically New Leaf, but I think they might have actually come out around uh, the the city one. But uh, there are amiibo cards which have the little amiibo chip in them, but they didn't want to print an, a full-size figure amiibo for every of the 140 villagers in Animal Crossing. So they basically printed them in these booster packs, and you could use the villager cards to uh, bring the villager to your campsite and then you could get them to move in from the campsite. So this so this was a way to guarantee you got a specific villager before New Horizons lets you go around and search everywhere. Uh, but yeah, so there's a little a cute little Sanrio crossover event. Uh, it's exclusive to Target. It comes with six amiibo cards of villagers who are th Sanrio themed. And if you don't know what Sanrio is, they are the Hello Kitty folks. But they also make a bunch of other little uh, Agretzko they did also. like that. There are a lot of that style of characters. Those are all Sanrio characters. Something I really like about this Sanrio set is that they could have just done villager versions of the Sanrio characters. Like Hello Kitty could have been a cat. Uh, but they didn't. They made them all unrelated animals that are dressed like Sanrio uh, characters, which I think is a really cute thing. Like, I like that a lot better than if they had just given you Hello Kitty Kitty. Instead, you get a villager named Rilla, who is a gorilla who is dressed up like Hello Kitty. 
and I love that a lot more. And I love Hello Kitty, really. It's <laughs> they rule. Um, so so I, I like these like little crossover sets. One thing that I really wish they would do is you. There are actually in Wild World, I think one of the 3DS games. There are actually villagers based on Legend of Zelda characters that you unlocked by using the various Legend of Zelda amiibo. Uh, there was like a Ganon pig. There was a wolf link, wolf. There was a octoling octopus. And then there was uh, the bird from Wind Waker. And so like, I wish they would do stuff like that more. Cause I think that's really cool. Especially since like in later versions of animal crossing, you cannot get any of the other cool Nintendo crossover stuff that really made the original animal crossings fun. So let's go back, I guess. So, so, so they announced festival. There's a cool dancing peacock. They seem great. Um, you catch more. We're, they're putting in another, <laughs> I should have saved this for the, for the, to branch in the get to the games conversation. Cause this is a little, this is a little bit of games conversation. Uh, the, the thing that they're adding to the event, it looks like there's going to be a bunch of more emotes, like some dancing emotes, which is really cool. Uh, the one seasonal thing that they've added is that there are feathers flying around, floating around in the air that you can catch with your net, which is the same way that they did the snowflakes, which is the same way that they did the leaves for autumn, which is the same way that they did the petals for, uh, the, uh, 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 cherry blossom festival. There's, they don't have another gimmick for these things. It's just the same gimmick. And it, and it really get it really got me into this thought process of like, to me, Animal Crossing New Horizons became. I started treating Animal Crossing New Horizons a lot like I treat uh, a gotcha game. Like, um, uh, I did this for a while with uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, like for Animal Crossing, I just log in every day because it feels like I have to and I do my daily tasks and I get my daily bonus, my login bonus. And I feel like making, and like part of new horizons is designed to be more like that kind of game. Like they put in ways that you get new uh, recipes every day or two times a day. And they put in balloons that hold new recipes that you got to wait around on your Island for them to show up. And they put in, you know, for this new winter event, you can make snow boys and they give you an item every day for three days until they disappear. And the only way you can get that large snowflake is by building a snow boy and then talking to the snow boy some more. Uh, so they've made like deliberate choices to go more in this direction than older Animal Crossing games. And all it's really done is sort of magnify the ways in which New Horizons, I feel like, has washed away a lot of the personality of an older Animal Crossing game. Um, villagers don't really get upset at you anymore. Uh, villagers are homogenized in a way that they haven't always been. There are so many times where if we have two of the same attitude of villager in the, in, in, in our town, uh, they will, they just say the same lines to you every day, but the two of them say the same lines to you every day. I feel like they, this, this new system of like longevity, in that almost more again compares to a like a gotcha game or like a uh, an uh, like a that sort of game more than an old animal crossing game is like a system that i didn't re even really love in the first place 
Like it's something that had always rubbed me the wrong way about New Horizons from the start, which was just that like not that I had an issue with the with the crafting of tools, just that like the crafting system existing uh, always felt like it was going to take attention away from playing Animal Crossing. Uh, and, and like, and it just makes me think of like all of the things, like there are a lot of things I like about New Horizons, but there are also a lot of things that I wish that they hadn't taken away. Like, uh, for example, villagers now can only leave if you let them, right? In older Animal Crossing games, they would come up to you and they would be like, not even older Animal Crossing games, even like uh, New Leaf, they would be like, hey, I'm thinking about moving. And you can say, don't move, but then they can also be like, uh, you know, I'm going to miss you, but I'm going to go anyway. And so it facilitated this change in your village where like now, like you can build this super village of all your 10 favorite villagers. There is no incentive to ever let them leave, except that if a new villager comes in, they might say something new to you. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just got me think like stuff like this. Every time they release a new seasonal thing, that's basically the same as another seasonal thing, but you can get different items. It, it, it reminds me that like there are older animal crossing games that I really, really liked that felt like they had a lot more life in them than this one does. Even if I've ended up playing this animal crossing game for a longer amount of time than those other animal crossing games, I think I enjoyed my time more. For the last two uh, headlines, they're going to be related vaguely. Uh, for starters, Activision acquired... V uh, ooh. Activision acquired Vi Vicarious Visions. Sorry, I didn't read it right the first time. <laughs> uh, so Vicarious Visions, you might not know by name. They developed the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake. Tony Hawk 1 and 2 Remaster, widely regarded as an incredible remaster, especially for a series of games that have historically been remastered or re-released very poorly. Uh, Vicarious Visions really knocked this one out of the park. Uh, and, and so it's very Activision Blizzard to then acquire that company and tell them that they're going to be fully dedicated to working on Blizzard titles. <laughs> so, like, oh, man, imagine recognizing a studio as, like, really bringing to life one of the best games of 2020 uh and also nailing again like i can't stress enough how poorly tony hawk remasters have been like people have messed up remastering tony hawk games so much and vicarious visions came through and they nailed it they crushed it and so activision as a reward i guess was like all right we're gonna have you work on overwatch 2 have a good time <laughs> and it just like what a weird, what an Activision thing to do, really, is like, it doesn't make any other sense except like, we'll buy this, uh, you know, we'll acquire the studio that got a lot of positive press and then we'll disappear them into the new BlizzCon stage for BlizzCon 2021 stage on Overwatch. Uh, and, and again, it kind of related headlines here. Um, the EA announced the founding of Full Circle Studio, uh, which is based in Vancouver, Canada. And they are recruiting people from all over the globe to work on EA's new skate title, uh, which is almost like the opposite news of the Vicarious Visions news, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so they've got... Uh, 
man, I should have had all this stuff pulled up. I'm going to link to my own article in this, in these show notes, which is going to be sick. Uh, so they, they, it is, uh, full circles being headed by Daniel McCulloch, who served as the head of Microsoft's Xbox live service for three years. Uh, and they also are bringing on Darren Chung and cuz Perry who are both people who have worked on this skate franchise for years and years. So they have the right pedigree, right? Uh, and I also think that it's very cool that EA was like, well, we want to get this skate game right, so let's give it its own studio. Let's let them just work on the new skate game. Uh, we're not going to... Hopefully this means they're not going to get super involved and, and, and goof anything up. So um, the only weird thing I, I feel about the founding of Full Circle and all of this announcement around a new skate game, which is Skate 4 in all but title, because they've never once called it Skate 4, Um is that like a lot of the people who waited 10 years for the announcement of skate four have gone on to make their own skate four games, uh, studios. Oh wait, creature. I don't know how to pronounce this creature. There's a dash creature studios, Inc. Uh, released a skate like, okay. So, so what is, okay, let me back up. What has always set skate apart from Tony Hawk is that while Tony Hawk is a more arcadey skateboarding game, Skate has always been sort of a physics-based skateboarding game. Uh, so it's less about like mashing buttons to do cool tricks, and it's more about literally balancing yourself on the board, uh, doing more realistic trick strings, uh, stuff like that. It's it's all very physics-based, which has also led to some very funny, um, you know. Uh, like the physics-based wipeouts can be very hilarious, right? Uh, and so in the 10 years it took for EA to finally announce that it was going to make the sort of mythical Skate 4, several other studios have made their own versions of Skate 4. Uh, Creature Studios Inc. released Session in Steam Early Access in 2019. Um which is, again, a physics-based skateboarding game. And last year, Easy Day Studios released Skater XL, which is in that exact same vein of skating game. So it'll be interesting to see, again, while, while I'm very happy to hear that um, EA is committed enough to the skate game to spin out its own studio to work on it, I'm curious as to how more news about this new skate game is received in a post-Skate 4 world where the people who have been waiting for a new physics-based skateboarding game the most have just dedicated the time and resources to making their own. Uh, that's going to do it for the headlines. I've not been playing a lot of games. Uh, so I recently dipped back into Star Wars colon Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, I had to stop playing it because my old computer, uh, basically I was playing it on a computer that it wasn't running well on. Um, and, and I, I played through a decent chunk of the first planet of that game where frame rate drops were not costing me fights. Uh, but then I got to the Wookiee planet and that was no, that became an issue so bad that I could not play the game anymore. Uh, so I, so I tucked it away, but I, I, I have improved my rig, uh, thanks to the kindness of some friends. 
And so I dipped back into it. And I don't know if I will beat that game. I want to, but it still is, it, it still has this part of, I don't know. It's weird. There's a, I find that there's a strange, like, because it, it is a very much a Souls-like game and very much a, uh, what is the, oh, what's the, what's the Japanese, um, not Neo, uh, shoot, the other sword fighting game that feels a lot like those, the Souls-like games, uh, because it is all about like sword play. But the thing, but like what I want to do is be a cool Jedi and what I, the game doesn't let me do is just run around and slash people with my saber, which I get is the appeal of the game style, but there's a dissonance there where like, I want to whip around and slash up people and not die because I'm incompetent and get shot by laser rifles 800 times by stormtroopers because they're very good at shooting in this game. Um, and like, I think that's just, again, like that's not an issue with the game. That's just, I don't want to play that game. When I boot up that game, I don't want to be patient and you have to be, um, all the traversal and that stuff, I, all the traversal stuff in that game, I find very kind of cool and fun. And there are some like neat, uh, des- better than destiny style jumping puzzles, stuff like that. Um, but like, I, you know, I'm going to keep trying it on and off, but like, I don't know how I'm into it. I don't know how deep into it I'm going to get. It's hard to say. Uh, the other thing I've been playing a lot is, uh, more Pokemon TCG online. So this is your weekly PTCGO update. Uh, basically I've been goofing off with a bunch of non-meta decks. Uh, I built a Cramorant deck, which has you discard Arowanda off of your bench to deal damage, uh, because Cramorant spit and fish. Uh, that deck's okay. I'm still tooling around with it, but like it has enough damage output that you can probably knock out to uh v max or tag teams before they knock out six of your basic pokemon um i built a couple of bad grass decks that i just can't figure out how to build uh i've built a colorless deck because i got a bunch of cramorant v and double v i haven't tested it yet but it's been fun to mess around with uh, but I'm also getting closer to building some more meta decks. I built ADP, the highly maligned deck, if you listen to this podcast enough, that I hate. But I have it built so I can figure out how it runs. Uh, and I am one bolt away from building new Picaram also. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time logging in on my off time and messing around in Pokemon. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm also starting to get used to kind of how decks are built, how to build decks. So that I can start building my own trainer and supporter bases with decks rather than just pull a list online. Uh, I'm not 100% there yet. I'm, I still end up missing a lot of trainers. Um, but that's something that I think is kind of unique about the Pokemon trading card game. Especially compared to like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! where like there are usually like two or three spell cards that are a must run in every deck. But Yu-Gi-Oh! is so arc type based that usually two different decks don't share a ton of cards um magic i feel like is similar to that as well if i'm building a magic deck there are not a set of cards that i need to run in every magic deck to make it work uh like obviously there are there are better counter spells than other deck than other counter spells there are probably better you know red burn spells than than other red burn spells 
And so like in that regard, it's a little similar, but like I don't always have to run counter spells. I don't always have to run burn spells. I don't always have to run creature spells. Um, Pokemon, because you have these trainers and supporters that can be run regardless of what type of Pokemon for the most part you run in your deck. And because they are basically your draw engine so that it's extremely important that you run them in the first place. Pokemon's trainer and supporter tends to have like a skeleton where like if you have, you know, let's say four professors research, three Marnie, three bug, uh, bird keeper. Um, like I am getting closer to learning what that skeleton looks like, which something that I've always felt kind of confident in when I was playing the trading card game in real life, like eight years ago now is that like, I was familiar enough with the meta and what trainers and supporters were good that I could just sit down and deck build, uh, with, with relative success. Uh, and, and since I don't come back to Pokemon trading card game online often enough or for long enough, I have not built up that same confidence in the, in the trading card game since then. Um, so because I'm sticking with it this time, I'm getting closer and closer to that where I don't necessarily have to go to limitless, uh, which is a website that, that, that shows deck lists and like grab a deck list and then play it until I figure out what changes I want to make. Now I can kind of sit down and, and, and do an in between where I grab a list. And then before I even play it, I can shred some of the list, put in other stuff that I like, stuff like that. It's fun getting back into the Pokemon trading card game. Like, in earnest and not just because friend of the show uh isaiah bugged me enough to get me to play again for two weeks uh so that's been fun uh and that's gonna do it for today's episode uh i'm gonna try to get the next one out on wednesday but like wednesdays have just not worked out for my timing so this one may just turn to a friday podcast who knows (laughs) it's hard to say Uh, The intro and outro song is Go By Richard, Not By Dick by Oregon Freeman off of their self-titled album, Oregon Freeman. Uh, If you like anything that you've heard, that's more than enough for me. But if you wanted to share this podcast with someone else who you think would like it, that would mean a lot to me. I really appreciate that support. I ran out of breath there, so I hope you can hear that on the audio with the background music surging. Thank you for tuning in. I will hopefully see you guys sometime next week, be it Wednesday or Friday. And until then... Be kind when you can. Peace out, y'all.